the 42%, as high as 42%, is now 39% of pastors who say that they have given serious consideration to quitting. That was David Kinneman, CEO of the Barna Group. For nearly 40 years, Barna has been leading the research on the intersection of faith and culture. David is also the author of the best-selling books, Faith for Exiles, Good Faith, You Lost Me, and Unchristian. The body of Barna's research gives it a unique vision of the church landscape. Stay with us as ECFA's president, Michael Martin, and ECFA's senior vice president of research and equipping, Warren Bird, discuss with David what the Barna Group sees in the data, what are the trends, and what does healthy leadership have to do with it? Well, welcome to the ECFA podcast. I'm so honored today to be joined by a couple of special guests who really need no introduction. Uh, one is uh, Dr. Warren Bird, who is the Senior Vice President of Research and Equipping here at ECFA, and also uh, our special guest, a friend of ECFA, uh, David Kinneman, the President of Barna. Uh, Warren and David, so good to have you today. And I know talking about a topic that is near and dear to all of our hearts, and that is healthy leadership. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be with you. Great to be here. Well, and since we have the luxury too, David, let Warren and I just say how much we appreciate you and your work at Barna. You all really set the the gold standard when it comes to research. And so as we launch into this conversation today on healthy leadership, and uh, there have been some great reports that have come out uh, from Barna just exploring this topic. I know uh, for so many of us in the ministry community, it's a little bit of a sobering time, right? As we look at the state of uh, of leadership, but so many of the findings, the research that you've done has really helped us to better understand what's happening, what's going on. We've done some of our own research at ECFA that Warren's excited to share about, but just thank you so much, David, for the work that you and Barna do. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me be on the podcast, and Warren is a fantastic researcher and an even better friend, so it's uh, nice to be with you here today, and thanks for the kind words about, about Barna. I mean, we're happy to serve and uh, it's been an interesting season to be serving in. Yes, no, that's right. Well, I couldn't agree more. And why don't we just launch in there? I think kind of starting with big picture and love to get into some of the specifics as far as what you all are finding, um, you know, as it relates to leadership and just things that are helpful practices. Uh, We'll get to all that here in just a moment. But David, just as you're kind of taking that bird's eye view at the ministry community, what is it that you're seeing um, as it relates to churches and ministries and leadership? What's what's encouraging to you and, and what's something that maybe you're a little more concerned about? Well, one of the things that I'm encouraged about is that um, we've we've worked with a, a research agency called Heart and Mind, uh, a friend of mine, D. Alsop, um, and um, they've, they've actually been looking at attitudes and perspectives related to whether religion is good for our society or bad for our society ac- across all U.S. adults. And actually, one of the encouraging things that, that um, we saw in that research was uh, that compared to just four years ago, five years ago, um, currently fewer people think that religion is bad, that faith is bad for our society. Um, uh, in 2016, half of Americans believe that religion was bad for society, that faith and religion were bad for society. Uh, but that number has actually dropped now to just two in five. So it's still it's still a, a, a huge percentage of people. But I actually think that COVID and everything that, that has happened um, over the last couple of years, the church has shown up in some meaningful ways and actually people people have noticed. And some of our, our data actually shows similar kinds of things when we look at people's perceptions of local Christian churches. Uh, there's been 
a, a real uptick in people's positive perception. So I actually think that's a, a good sign. There's still plenty of negative perceptions. I'm, I'm of the feeling like we should pay attention to it. We shouldn't be driven by it. We should be informed by the data. We shouldn't be driven by the data. Uh, and obviously we can't cater to people that have negative perceptions. Uh, but I do think there is a real sense of the reputation of the church that has, has improved. And I think the good work of churches, the courageous way in which they've been sort of spiritual frontline workers in the last couple of years has been, um, has been really positive and I'm encouraged by that. Um, and then I think on the, on the concerning side, there's lots of things to be positive about, lots of things to be concerned about. But among the things that I think we could be concerned about is the 42%, as high as 42%, it's now 39% of pastors who say that they have given serious consideration to quitting. And I think that tells us something about uh, the challenges of being a spiritual frontline worker, um, about the kind of exhaustion that is set in for a lot of leaders. Um, I do think this is a primary issue, the uh, ability for us to retain the right leaders in pastoral leadership um, and and to encourage them. I know we're going to be talking quite a bit about that today in the podcast, but um, I think this this pressure that so many industries have felt, so many of us have felt, um, but but recognizing that pastors are just um, at a really low point. I think I think this is starting to recover some uh, as people's lives are getting back to some kind of normalcy. Uh, but I think that 39%, two in every five pastors who say that they are uh, giving serious consideration to quitting is something we should uh, we should be ringing alarm bells about. No, that's right. And David, I'm, I so appreciate your comments because <clears throat> it really aligns so much with the heart of ECFA and even this conversation, which is, there are you know a number of things we care about, but very high on the top of those lists are both we really care uh, about leaders uh, and about the calling that God has placed on them. Um, and just, yeah, you hear some of those uh, challenges that leaders are walking through. And so even in just this conversation today, and as we unpack some of the struggles that they're walking through, it really comes from a place of we really care for leaders and want to unpack all that with you in a moment. But also something I heard too, David, and what you said is uh, really caring about uh, the capital C church, you know, organization, sort of the perception of church, if you will. It was encouraging to hear you say that maybe we're moving the needle a little bit in the right direction. So all of that is good. You know, I don't know if you've researched this particular area or not, but maybe bringing these two topics together, David, have you all done any research around um, even this idea of healthy leadership or unhealthy leadership? And how does that um, impact the levels of trust um, you know, that folks have in, in the church, in ministry. We have done quite a bit of work on that. And in some ways, I actually think you could look at just the body of work our company has produced, um, you know, starting, starting with George Barna and then continuing, uh, with me and, and with our team that in some ways, the, the projects that we've uh, been able to focus on a, a project called you lost me, which was the, you know, the, 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 the loss of faith, a lot of people misunderstood the data or have had, had sort of this, this idea that people walk away from faith and, and it's still a huge, a huge problem. Um, 22% of young people who grow up in Christian faith actually, uh, lose their faith entirely. That's actually double what it was, it was 11% back in 2011. So I think that the algorithms and the, the, what I call digital Babylon have made it more difficult for us to disciple. Uh, but still there's a huge number of people that lapse in faith. Um, they call themselves Christian, but they're not, they're not very active. And so that book really focused and, and tried to shine a light on some of the challenges of discipleship. Um, a, another project called Unchristian focused on the negative perceptions of the church. 
Um, you know, I think uh, another project that I did with Gabe Lyons called Good Faith was a focus on, you know, what happens when Christianity is viewed as irrelevant and extreme. And in each of these cases, it's it's not, we, we live in a complicated society and the, the church is not always perceived in a friendly manner. But a lot of the challenge that I think the church has today, whether it's the lack of discipleship or the lack of effective public witness or, you know, the loss of faith among young people, um, I think our failures of leadership and unhealthy leadership and uh, an inability to sort of measure the most important things that that ought to matter. Um, and so we we sit, I think, at an interesting crossroads for the for the Christian community in general. We're referring, you know, obviously to local churches, but also to the parachurch organizations and other other entities that support into, uh, you know, sort of the, the faith ecosystem and the Christian uh, space. And I think it's a it's a really exciting time because I think there's opportunities for for really great and transcendent and humble leadership to emerge, and I think we're seeing signs of that, signs of life all over the place. But in the midst of that, we have to be able to take a, a good hard look at some of the things that haven't worked, and the fact that young people who are science minded, for example, that are growing up who want careers in science, technology, engineering, and math, have no almost no discipleship opportunities in local churches. I mean, that's a real failure of leadership in my mind. And it, and it, it ends up, um, you know, sh showing, I think in the data, as we end up losing many of those young people who are interested in those kinds of careers, um, what I call sort of a, a vocational discipleship mindset. So, um, you know, I think our job is always to, to shine a light on these things and try to ask and, and inspire the church to be a better version of itself. And, um, you know, sometimes we're, Sometimes we're uh, characterized as, as, you know, sort of looking only at the bad bad news. That's not certainly our heart. Our heart is to try to point out what those areas where uh, we can grow, where we can do it better, where we can find, I think, a more faithful way. Yeah, no, that's right. You've connected some dots really well for us. So, yeah, thank you for that, David. Warren, I invite you, too, you know, into this uh, kind of what's your perspective. I know we've done a lot of research here, too, at ECFA and touched on some of these themes. So, Warren, what's kind of your reaction to some of what David's sharing? Well, Michael, let me respond to that uh, with from me, and then I'll end up with a question to David. Um, I, overall, I'm really encouraged by how many books and writing and speaking there is out there on the issue of caring for the senior leader, for soul care, for all the the awareness that's being raised and and research being done on. Okay, so how are we actually doing? in caring for the leader, where we have some numbers and some some quantities. Some things surprised me, like uh, ECFA just did the nation's largest survey of church planners, and, and one of the questions I asked was about their mental health. How was it uh, before you launched, uh, then during the pandemic, and then today? And to my surprise, they all said, rated it about the same on, on median average, and uh, this was very encouraging. And yet there are some disparities, uh, one of which being the difference between the leader and the group most likely to care for the leader that would be the board. So in one survey, we asked the board, how are you doing on soul care for your leader? And they said, great. And then we asked that same question to the same leader in that same organization or church. So how's the board doing on soul care for you? And the answer is, not so well. The disparity of how we need to, to find actual help uh, beyond raising the awareness. Now, so boards, my... we're in boards and leaders not being on the same page. Is that, that's what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. 
So then, David, to you, you talked earlier about the number of leaders who think about quitting, and I'm sure that's far more than the Monday morning uh, pastor who's, who's, yeah, time for my weekly uh, reflection on uh, should I throw in the towel. But uh, you've, you've been asking, are you thinking seriously of leaving the ministry? Do you have any actual traction on those that are following through the great uh, resignation, which really wasn't, or at least it hasn't happened yet in pastoral world. What are you seeing by those, not just that express the concern, but are actually transitioning? Well, one of the things that's a limitation of our research is that we can only interview people that are still available via, you know, a, a, our, our pastor panel or who are part of our, uh, you know, ability to call them uh, via telephone. And so once a person leaves, we don't have a very good way of, of checking in with them about how they've done. And so we don't have any ability um, at this point to say, this is the percent that have stayed, this is the percent that have left. I'm hearing anecdotally, though, that there are, especially in certain traditions, huge um, gaps in the number of leaders who are available to, to, to respond to, you know, to a call, uh, to the kind of, um, you know, open positions. Um, I think I think we're seeing, you know, sort of this, great convulsions across, you know, the, the Christian landscape. In some ways, we've, we're actually seeing some really good news that some, in, in, some, in some cases, millennials are even more likely to show up at church after the pandemic than they were before. And that could be either show up or watch sort of, sort of the hybrid, the, the, the hybridization of the church has actually helped, I think, increase engagement with young, younger generations. So I think there's some good news there. Uh, but we're not able to sort of say the percentage of pastors who have actually quit. We just know there's too few, um, you know, um, too, too, too few younger pastors available for open positions in many cases. And I think this, this also begs the question to broaden our discussion a bit that I think a really important set of discussions that we need to have is, um, is widening our understanding of what it means to be a pastor, uh, in our, in our world today, that we need more and better bivocational leaders, um, uh, in part, because I actually think bivocational pastors have one superpower that vocational pastors don't have. And by the way, I'm all for vocational pastors. I come from a long line of pastors. My, my father um, has been a, a pastor in the Phoenix area for many, many years. I considered being a pastor. I think we need many, many full-time vocational pastors, but bivocational pastors have a superpower that other full-time vocational pastors don't. And that is that they don't, they don't have to respond to the whims of their congregation from a monetary perspective, right? There, there's something that's independent perhaps about people that don't get paid by the same people they're preaching to. Now, again, I think there's a biblical argument for that to be done, and I'm all for vocational pastors being paid. But I'm also, I'm also just, I think we need a real interesting mix of um, a, a broadening of our understanding of what it means to lead. That even those of us in, in, you know, I, I sort of think about my ministry at Barna Group as a kind of public pastor, using research as a sort of way of speaking into current issues. Um, uh, I feel like we're sort of pastoring pastors. I feel like uh, we need people who can can pastor and have a pastoral mindset in the workplace. I think I think millennials and Gen Z will will not put up with the kind of the usual kind of sacred secular divides that end up plaguing the church, and so they're going to need a bivocational vision for ministry. Um, so there's lots of different reasons why I think bivocational ministry could be a, an important part of the future. Uh, but I'm also you know there, there's there's you know, there's just too, too, there's too many open positions right now and ways in which that, that sort of, I think we're going through this 
kind of major winnowing of church leaders. And I think that for the most part is a good thing. So at ECFA, we're all about enhancing trust uh, in in the leader, in the uh, in the confidence of donors in particular. Um, has all of this awareness of leader health and, and the occasions of leader unhealth uh, in your take, has that undermined trust in the congregations, especially, or what's been the impact? Yeah, I think this issue of trust is one of the most important areas for the future. There's the Edelman Trust Index and a variety of different things that focus in on uh, kind of public health. And I think I think trust in general is such an important currency to be to be thought through and to be carefully stewarded. And I do think that pastors have to be thinking about trust and credibility, which is, by the way, part of the argument about bivocational pastoring, right? Because you're like, let's say you had a bivocational pastor or you had lay people who you'd ordained in a kind of pastoral way. I know there's complicated things depending on your tradition to, to, to sort through. Uh, but when you think about the the opportunity of having other people who who care about the mission of the church, who aren't paid when, when you ask for money, um, to be speaking up for the case to be made for fundraising or, um, you know, a, the reason why financial accountability is so important, right, is we live in a, a radically transparent era where people are always trying to dig and see, you know, what's, what, what are they not telling me, right? And, and there's a, an under, undercurrent of, of skepticism. But I think there's important ways that we need to be thinking about trust. Uh, we're actually doing a big study on perceptions of Jesus, and we're actually finding that people have most trust in scripture and in local church leaders to help tell them what to believe about Jesus. But they, they also have some amount of skepticism towards celebrity Christians and towards uh, you know, the algorithm, social media and digital, um, even though those tend to be the places where they end up, um, it's sort of like you talked about earlier, this sort of this paradox between they actually do end up listening to celebrity Christians and they do end up going to the algorithms for information about how to how to believe what to believe. Uh, but they tell us they, they trust local leaders most. And so I do think this cultivating trust, thinking about what it means, realizing that um, our society today is always looking for the other shoe to drop or for, you know, a reason not to believe that we might be really, really um, honest. <laughs> um, that it's not even that we're not we're dishonest. There's something about this moment with the meme culture and, and that, that the images and, and pictures and sayings that are sort of, you know, small little bite size, usually humor, usually a, sort of a dark side of humor. There's something that I think has eroded our ability to believe those who are really earnest um, and, and well-meaning there, there's actually, you know, it's sort of like if you picture Michael Scott from the office, it's like, he was a very earnest character in that, in that show. Uh, and, and, and nobody trusts him because, well, you know, you're either working for corporate or you're, you're working for yourself. And so I feel like pastors have this really challenging place today, especially with hybrid church and, you know, your, 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 your webcasting, your services, and you're trying to like get the vibe just right to, you know, compel people towards certain actions, especially towards, you know, following Christ of their whole lives. And so we, we're really in an interesting and I think fun time to be uh, experimenting and to be really taking an honest look at what does it mean to cultivate trust. And that's, you know, financial trust and relational trust and trust that you have something to say to my parenting or to my, uh, my relationships, um, trust that, you know, you might have something to say to my vocational life, my career, my purpose. Um, trust that I could sacrifice on behalf of this community and feel like 
um, you know, that, that my, my belief in, in what it means to be part of this Christian story, part of the, part, part of what it means to be Christian is actually going to matter. So I do think trust is such an important currency for our time today. I agree. And the recent Gallup poll that looked at 50 years of trust in institution and in different roles uh, put church and pastors at an all-time low, uh, which is just fascinating. Yeah. And David, I wanted to pick up too on something you said. I appreciated that you talked about kind of taking an honest look. And <clears throat> I know one of the things, you know, just as even reflecting on personally, the impact of some of these um, findings, you know, from research. So I'm taking a little bit of a digression, but, but uh, away from the numbers for a second to some of the real life stories. But, you know, I appreciated so many of the leaders who honestly, uh, at least in the ECFA research, sort of share with us some of the things that they're struggling with. And, you know, one of them that just open-ended comments and some of the statements that really moved me. You know, one person said, somebody needs to care, anybody, you know, just as they were talking about the struggles they're facing and just the awkwardness of as a leader, you know, what does that dynamic look like with your board? And can you raise those kinds of, you know, concerns and issues? So before we get back into a little bit more of the, of the numbers, and those are all really good <clears throat> in terms of some of the challenges that leaders might be facing. I just love to even open it up to, to both of you, to Warren and to David, just as you're reflecting on some of the data that you see, what are just even personally, what's kind of stirring in you as you see, because there's always stories, you know, that are behind uh, these numbers. So David, you know, anything, especially from your perspective, as you've done some of this work around leaders who are considering uh, leaving the ministry? Well, I think it's been... Um... It's been a a really fulfilling couple of years um, for me. Um, it sort of feels like, you know, groups like Barna um, were sort of built for a, a, a pandemic. Um, you know, we we don't like to see the turmoil and the chaos, but it's been it's been fun to have a real time opportunity to pu to measure public opinion during such a, a, a such a global crisis and to think about its impact on the church and its impact on people. Um, and I think that's, you know, really encouraging is that we've seen, um, you know, again, some of the, the things we've said that people have, have seen and responded and, and are, 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 um, able to articulate that the church has actually shown up in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and then my colleague, uh, Carrie Newhoff and I had a chance of hosting a podcast, uh, for, you know, the better part of two years. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's actually been just amazing just to hear from so many leaders who were you know, really struck to the core about issues of what the church should do, how well we were making disciples, the heartbreak that people were experiencing as, as pastors when people just disappeared and never said anything, um, the, the courage and innovation and um, the ways that pastors were, you know, encur encouraging each other through the pandemic. And we, we, were, we were honored to have the Church Pulse Weekly podcast be just a small part of that encouragement to people. Um, so I was just, I was, um, you know, I, I like change a lot, actually. It's a funny, funny thing. Um, I'm just real realizing that so much personally, just I, I like, I like traveling. I like new foods. I like new people. I like new business opportunities. I like new projects. I like thinking about, you know, the future. And, um, so I just feel like this has been a, a really amazing opportunity for us as church leaders to think about, you know, Jesus metaphor of new wine skins, um, you know, I don't want to tear, I don't want to tear things down, but 
I do take very seriously God being a being an active force in our in our world in our lives, and He does that through a lot of factors. But but part of that is human innovation and also human desperation. And um, I feel like we're seeing some you know some desperation that is is a really important catalyst to you know imagining what might be next. Yeah, I think that's right. Just really at a crossroads and so much on the horizon. Warren, were you going to add, just to add something as well? You said. There's been yeah. more change in churches in the last couple of years than in the last 20 years of people saying, well, we just can't do that anymore. Or we need to try something different as a way of furthering our mission to reach the world for Christ. And people are like, okay, okay, that the resistance level has been way low. The challenge has been the leaders who are like, hey, this is what I know. But I'm entering an era of I don't know how to lead, how to navigate, what what the phrases, the words, how to touch the culture with the unchanging gospel in words that connect with the heart and soul. Uh, we are definitely in a season of transition. Well, Warren, too, just kind of. Yeah, for sure. Warren, getting back to to some of the you know some of the numbers, and uh, we have carefully looked at a lot of those. And I know you and I, and even as we've reflected on uh, what's been published by our friends at Barno, we were really curious about some of the challenges, right, that leaders are facing. So I think you had some uh, questions there for David too, just about reflections around uh, challenges of leadership too, right? Yeah, we could uh, we could ask a whole lot of things uh, for why pastors uh, stay uh, and what you're learning about that and what we can learn about the importance of ministry leaders feeling supported by their communities. Let me just dig a little further in the research we did with boards just to set it up further. Um, we then took boards that viewed themselves as effective and compared boards that viewed themselves as ineffective. And then we, we looked at the soul care questions against that. And you don't get a sharper contrast. Effective boards, 83% of them said, we're doing a good job of caring for our pastor. And boards that rate themselves as ineffective, 26% said, night and day, we're not caring for our pastor. So... Um, talk to us about the structures and the pathways for leadership care. Well, I think um, it's such important, uh, such an important conversation and such important work for us. So as we're as we're thinking, as we're as you're hearing this as a listener, um, you know, just be thinking about the kinds of soul care priorities you have as a as a leader, as an institution. Um, we've um, we've been working a little bit with a a longtime friend and a colleague named Mindy Caliguire who runs something called Soul Care. And she came and actually did some a staff retreat for our team. And um, it was so helpful just a two, few months ago. And um, we were, were just, you know, in a really great place at a, at a, at a friend's uh, cabin in the woods. So that, that helped <laughs> to have a, a, a meaningful conversation. It's, it's funny how the setting, a change of setting and a change of, of pace can really help us slow down and think about what what it is we really want, and and she had this great comment about the pandemic, that she said it you know it turns out that all of us are dealing with issues of soul care to one extent or another, and 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 it was uh she made this comment it was like you know we were all swimming naked and then the pandemic took the tide out and 
you know, it reminded us that we all were, you know, in greater need, <laughs> in greater need of, you know, some help. And um, I think soul care is such an important and often overlooked uh, conversation, even and sometimes especially among uh, pastors and, and, and Christian leaders. And, um, you know, how can we hope to be the kind of salt and light in the world and to build the kind of, you know, meaningful, um, transformational uh, structures of ministry and, and pathways of ministry when we ourselves aren't being changed by that same that same message. And so, listen, we found a lot of really good things in the data. We find that a lot of leaders, um, even despite their challenges, are saying that they still feel called to this, that this work, you know, they, they say, despite the challenge of being a pastor, I can't see myself doing anything else. That was nearly 80% of pastors. Uh, I feel rewarded in my role as a pastor, 75%. But we only found that about half said that they prioritize their self-care as a pastor and only 15% said they prioritize their self-care as a pastor. They strongly agreed with that. Only 14% said they feel like their own spiritual formation too often takes a backseat to other pastoral responsibilities. But, but more, almost um, six, uh, is 57% said that, that they, they agreed with that. Um, and we found that about a third of all pastors say they're struggling with depression. So there was this really interesting mix and he, pastors are humans too, um, of course, and they're dealing with a lot of pressures. Uh, but I think it's so important for us as we enter this new space of ministry uh, to be thinking about our own hearts and to be uh, to be focused on heart health and on soul care so that when the tide goes out, um, we, we won't be swimming naked next to all of our, our, our fellow, our fellow uh, our swimmers. Uh, there, there'll be something that is deeper and robust in our in our lives in a very meaningful way, and and that's that's been you know certainly my journey in the last couple of years, uh, you know being under spiritual direction and um, finding um, even even more and, and deeper roots in the scriptures this last uh, sixteen months or so. I mean, the scriptures have always been very important to me, but just in for, for particular reasons, this last couple of years have been really rich and. Um, the Lord's presence, you know, in my life as a leader has, has been, uh, something of just, you know, just a, a singular, um, place of, of clinging to. And, um, so I just would encourage leaders that those who we, we actually saw really interesting patterns in the data, those who were the least likely to want to quit were also the ones who were most likely to attend to these issues of soul care and realizing that they have to, you know, work on themselves and be worked on by others who care, um, in, in, in really open-handed ways. And I think those are some important themes that we saw compared to those who were, you know, willing to quit. We actually saw a, a lot less prioritization. Now it's correlation, not causation. Um, but there's a lot of really important trends in the data that tells us that when we pay attention to our, our inner lives and put ourselves in a community where we're, we're actually surrendered to them and want to see, uh, them help keep us in the game. There's actually there's actually some real power in saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not enough to do this work. Only only through God's grace and through the power of other people around me can I do." David, the work. that's really rich and profound. That those let me just say it back to make sure we're hearing you right. Those who are the least likely to quit are the ones who are. We're not doing causation. We're just doing correlation. Are the ones who are most likely to be in some kind of self care or spiritual direction, and the opposite. Those that's who right. are most likely to quit. Uh, or say they're going to quit, are are not having that level of self-care. Wow. So maybe that's a, a very practical tip to encourage those who are feeling discouraged or wanting to burn out, in essence, to say, you can get help. I think it is. Yeah, and I think, uh, 
I think we have all these tools. I, I doubt there's a, a, a single leader out there who's gotten into ministry uh, without at least some of these tools being being put in place. And we can we can sometimes bash on seminary. We can bash on certain structures of, of ministry preparation. Um, and and I and I actually think those need to be rebuilt too. But I also feel like uh, in our in our toolkit, there's a lot of us who are going through uh, um, who've got who've got the tools there. And I would even say don't don't um, underestimate the fact that um, we've even done some research. It's been a number of years, but we, we see a number of pastors who actually come to us and say we we're actually having a crisis of our own faith. And so sometimes they don't know where to talk about that. And I think, um, again, you're not alone, whatever it is you're experiencing, whether it's depression or mental health issues or challenges in your marriage or challenges with your kid or struggles with pornography or uh, a, a lack of, 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 of confidence in your own abilities as a pastor. Um, a, f- a fascinating thing, I think, to look at is how people's skill sets change over their career um, and, and recognizing that we're all going to face a certain kind of decline in in how we do what we do but there's also like a second curve we can get on as as pastors and leaders and so just being honest with you, with ourselves and with others um and and most especially with god uh, about what where we are and taking those insecurities and those hurts listen i think a lot of pastors uh, a lot of us as leaders are carrying a whole suitcase full of accumulated hurts of people who've left our churches uh, budgets that didn't balance, people who said things, people we tried to tried to trust, people we tried to um, extend help to, um, who ended up, you know, bad mouthing us on the way out, or spread spreading vicious rumors about us, or just leaving without ever saying goodbye. We marry them, we we bury them, their family members. I guess someone who gets buried says leaves without saying goodbye, but. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, we, ha- we have all these accumulated hurts and I just, I could just say from my own experience, um, as a leader that the one place we can take our accumulated hurts is to the Lord and the better, the better we can be at, at taking that suitcase of accumulated hurts and, and unpacking it and put, putting it in, in, you know, the, the, the laundry, uh, with the Lord and, and talking to others about it and, Finding others who aren't a part of our local church, where we're, we're not, we're not someone to them. We're just, we're just the people God has created us to be. Um, I believe God can do some powerful things in us and through us as leaders when we've been able to take take out that dirty laundry and and let the Lord, you know, ca- kind of wash us and renew us because it is really difficult work. Now I think going forward in this complicated time, po- politics, economics. Um, you know, the, the kind of challenges we have with our staff, our, our, our relationships. Um, you know, so the, the more we can deal with that, with that baggage, the more we can deal with these, these hurts to talk about why they sting so much, why they can bring us to tears, why they can bring us to, um, passive aggressiveness or why we can, you know, uh, show up each week with, with so many accumulated hurts. I think God is asking us to, to put those burdens down. And to find a way to be renewed um, in His presence through the Word of God, through the the Spirit's work in our lives, and and most especially in the tang or, or also in the tangible expression of human uh, human relationships and community. That's right. Yeah, David, I appreciate so much of what you just shared there, and I want to come back to to uh, something connecting dots or themes once again <clears throat> to something that Warren shared earlier, which was this disconnect. 
you know, between the leader and the board. And David, I would love for you to even just speak to maybe any board members who are listening. You talked about community and that could be a number of people. It's not always the board. Um, and we're not even saying board should become a leader's, you know, personal accountability group or anything like that. But boards certainly have a very unique role that they can play in this area, providing a level of support, uh, you know, to the leader in terms of uh, maintaining health and even integrity and all those pieces. So I'd love to for you just even speak to uh, any board members who might be listening around that theme of being a community to the leader. Yeah, I think governance issues are um, kind of the un unseen, um, often undiscussed part of the, the structure and the health of an organization. I don't know quite what, maybe you guys have a, a, a good analogy of what sort of uh, bodily system it's closest to the circulatory or the, the nervous system or the skeletal structure or the limbic system. Any and all those could work in a certain way, right? Um, uh, do, do you have a quick, quick response to that? Which, which sort of system is most like the importance of governance? Well, I'm going to let Warren answer that question because my <laughs> wife, she's a nurse by background. I failed anatomy. So, <laughs> Warren, well, everyone has a rich metaphor. And David, in our talking, I've just loved all the word pictures that you have used. So you pick, you pick the analogy and metaphor you want to use and walk us through it. Okay, well, um, we'll just go with the fact that they're that's an important sort of unseen system, right? Like any of these sort of parts of our body where you're like, wow, it is sort of like magic as the way the Lord has cr created. And governance is, is an important part. We see it throughout scripture. Obviously, it's an important part of our of sort of building of organizations. God's created human beings with the capacity to, you know, lock arms and do things together in, in, in not just as individual humans, but as, as collective entities and institutions and nonprofits and, and governance is so important. So I would say first, don't underestimate just the power of really good governance and how like a super strong skeleton or, or circulatory system it is. It is uh, unseen and sometimes unthanked, but it is it is essential to the, the movements of these organizations and, and then to the flourishing and thriving of the leaders and the people that they serve. Um, and I would, I would just encourage you to be a really safe place to listen. I mean, I think today, today's leaders, we're, we're, I'm encouraged by the fact that leaders are so open in our surveys. People are talking in our pretty openly. Um, they're anonymous surveys, but they talk about their porn issues or they talk about their, their identity issues or their, their insecurities. And I think that's a great moment for survey research. I'm sure Warren would agree that, you know, that it's actually people still love to give their opinions and they're, they're so open and honest. It sometimes shocks me, you know, and it's good. It's good for business. It's good for our work. Um, but I just think being willing as a board chair, uh, or as any member in a, in a governance uh, community uh, to, to just really listen, uh, to be careful not to take that leap. Uh, well, we do it this way in our business, and so it must work this way in the church. The church is not built on business principles, um, even though there can be you know some important overlap. Um, uh, to be careful not to be the sort of the know-it-all and the you know the easy answer person. There's very deep and systemic issues that can be part of the issues that plague our organizations. Um, and, and we have a challenge, I think. Sometimes pastors, if we're really being honest, they they love preaching and teaching. I mean, they tell us in the surveys, seven out of 10 say that their main, their main joy comes from preaching and teaching. And very few, fewer than one in 10 say they love leading and administrating. 
So, you know, there is actually something structural about the way we've, 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 we've kind of, um, layered the expectations of, of commu good communicators are also good leaders and good leaders can be good communicators. They often are, but not every good communicator is a good leader. And I think we're actually seeing, um, kind of the, I think the pandemic actually, when the tide went out, we noticed how, how, how unclothed our discipleship efforts were because we were building around the communication capabilities of one or two or whatever really talented leaders, but we haven't structured, and this is a, a big word here, but a, the pedagogical structures, we haven't, we haven't created a learning community where we are all learning from one another under the way of Christ. And yes, there are certain sort of uh, echelons of leadership and, you know, pastors and prophets and path, uh, apostles, and apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Um, and we need different gifts to sort of edify and build up the church. But we haven't, I don't think, organized around the kind of things that really help people to learn in this crazy era of, of digital technology and the rest. So I just ask good questions, be a good listener, be willing to see that there are probably deeper answers to the questions that you're asking and it's not always simple uh but then but then pursue the um the ability for these leaders that you're serving uh to to be wholehearted human beings don't push them under the weight of like how can we grow how can we grow how can we grow how can we redesign job descriptions towards the flourishing of the people that we're serving are they actually becoming new and better people they're being transformed we can we can measure that stuff now um, it's imperfect, it's imperfect, but it's better than just like, Hey, did people show up? Did they give? And, um, you know, what's the health of our organization from a numbers perspective? I think we can actually do a better job today, um, uh, of really saying, yeah, we're actually changing people's mindset and their lived experience related to relationships. Did your ministry do that? And, um, I think there's some really great ways that we can, we can focus on some deeper, uh, some deeper goals together, what, what Christ really calls us to in, in these, uh, in these areas of discipleship. And I think board members would be wide open to that. One of the things that consistently came through in our board surveys were, was in essence, I'm underutilized. You, you typically, you uh, get top people on your board. And then if they feel like, Hey, but I'm not really tapped and I, there's a lot more I could give here and contribute, uh, that, tells me at least uh, that there's there's a lot of space for exploring the very things, David, that you've been talking about. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think doing that in the right way where, because uh, I, I think we'd all agree that having boards that are overstepping their bounds is is not what we want. We don't want boards doing, doing the work for the organization, but I think there's ways that there can be some really... Um, uh, critical roles that are that are mission aligned, that are effective, that keep you know the 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 right circles, sort of staff and administration. Speaking of like Christian higher education, you know, like I'm a, I'm a board member at a at a Christian college, Christian university, and there's moments where I'm like, oh, we could do this for you. They're like, no, that's that's not our job as a board. But but I think there are things that I could do or that we could do as as trustees uh, that we're often not asked to do. Um, and so I think leaning into le leaning into both parts of wisdom there is really important. Plus, I would say we've never seen healthy leaders who are thriving, who don't also say, and I have a great relationship with my board or my board chair, whatever that looks like in their particular context, that, that it is possible to have a healthy, thriving uh, uh, 
kind of partnership where the leader feels truly supported, not strong-armed, not controlled, but uh, but helped and supported and and personally cared for as well. That's right. Good, Warren. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> that captures so well, uh, both of you, just the heart behind uh, ECFA, this initiative that we're on around uh, leadership integrity and health. And David, I know you, you've got to run. We've got to let you go here. Uh, but uh, you and Warren, any other final thoughts before we bring this particular conversation to a close? Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you both. Uh, Warren, I respect your work and have been an uh, admirer, and you've been such a good friend to me uh, through the years. So thank you for that. You've always been such an encouragement to, to me and to our team and to the work we're doing. So thank you and want to uh, mirror back that same uh, words of encouragement and kindness. And I think, um, you know, as we go into this sort of new era, new wineskins era, um, I'm, I'm, you know, really excited and uh, ho hopeful and also you know, so sober, sobered about the rela uh, the reality of what that's going to look like for us as leaders and as institutions, because so much is is seem seems like it's up for grabs. Um, but I'm grateful for this conversation. Um, I just want to keep encouraging you as as leaders and listeners, whatever whatever station you find yourself in, whether it's in a local church or a board member or you know working alongside an organization as a, as a, as a Christian leader. A lot of us are sort of in a role of sort of serving alongside local churches, like just let's keep caring for our own hearts and, you know, surrendering, our, surrendering ourselves to the Lord's great purpose for us. Um, we are, after all, a masterpiece who's been created in Christ Jesus to do these good works that long before he, we knew of what COVID-19 would be, he, he knew and expected and understood that this kind of change would happen. And I think a lot of this is, is accelerating needed changes uh, for, for us as institutions, but especially for us as leaders. And so this is a reinvitation to take take our very our very selves to the to the throne room and ask the Lord to give us wisdom and grace and peace for this uh, for these um, this next season of leadership and I'm I'm excited by it. It's a it's a it's a daunting task, but I think that I think it's a I think it's a task worth doing. And I would just amen that and encourage everyone: don't settle, don't settle for mediocrity, don't settle for a poor relationship. Uh, God wants you to thrive. Your leadership will thrive. The board relationship will thrive. That is possible. Don't give up. Don't settle for anything less. That's good. Thank you. Thank you both. And David, too, uh, folks that are listening, I know many have already <clears throat> really dialed into the work at Barna, but how do they stay up to date with you and, and some of the new research? And and we'll put, by the way, a link in our show notes to uh, the, the research projects that we've been talking about today on healthy leadership. But yeah, how do folks stay in touch with you, David? Uh, well, the best is to uh, sign up for our free email newsletter at uh, barna.com, and uh, we'd be happy to have you join. Great. Well, again, thank you, David. Thank you, Warren. This conversation has been uh, so helpful, I know, even to me and to those listening. And speaking of those listening, thank you so much uh, for tuning into this ECFA podcast. I hope that, you know, some of the 
uh, points here that both David and Warren raised uh, really just spark something in you. Um, and there will be more episodes to come as we just unpack a lot of these ideas behind what can leaders do, um, even individually, uh, for a lot of their own health, but even <clears throat> the community that's surrounding a leader and the board of an organization, how can they do that? So I, I hope it sparked, you know, just some really good um, thoughts for you and even questions. We'd love to hear what questions do you have as you're reflecting and even at a practical level, if there's certain topics or angles that you would like to hear from, just encourage you to connect with me personally at president at ecfa.org. And we look forward to continuing this conversation with you. We can't thank you enough for listening to ECFA's Behind the Seal podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're planning on releasing two a month in 2023. And share this with a friend, a coworker, a ministry partner, a board member. The more conversations we're having about leadership integrity and healthy leadership and the soul of the leader, the better. And don't forget, this is all compiled at ecfa.org slash podcast. That's ecfa.org slash podcast.